Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, your host. I started this podcast because I believe when we share our thoughts, our stories, and experiences, we help one another to create more meaningful lives. And I also think that an important part of life revolves around our search for meaningful connection. That seems to only happen when we get real about who we are and we authentically share that. So listen in, try to answer these questions yourself, and let's connect. I am so, so happy to have today's guest, Gina Rubel. And Gina, I will just tell you, you're like my dream guest because I admire you so much. You're one of the people in the world who I really, truly admire. And your business success is actually only a small part of the reason that I admire you you it, it's and there I'm listening to you I realize that I want your listeners to hear that when we're recording a podcast I'm like oh no my email is still open I have to close it oh okay it's here going to ping so <laughs> I looked away from you because I wanted to close everything so I could give you my undivided attention so well I, I am yours to... and I am so happy to be here well I do actually admire your business success so I'll just tell a little bit about that you are the head of a public relations and marketing communications firm called Furia Rubel Communications. You are an author. You are a public speaker. You have a podcast. You are a creator, an innovator, an expert on cybersecurity and on legal matters and on marketing. And you're a mom of two and you are a wife, and you are a really admirable community leader. So that's you in a nutshell for me. Um, but you can correct anything I get wrong because I do that off the top of my head because I like to just say what I know about the person. So what did I leave out? Oh, um, well, I, I'd say first I'm a mother, wife, and daughter. That's um, for me, I define success around my family. It's not my business. Um, so that that that's one. And and the only thing I would say is I am well versed in cybersecurity. I wouldn't call me an expert. I do crisis communications and risk management, but I rely on cybersecurity experts who really know the details. So, um, but I can tell you what you need to know generally to keep you out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> which is all we need. Perfect. And, you know, actually, I think when I first met you, I, I already knew of you and I knew about your business and I knew some of the leadership role you played in the community, but I didn't know about your family and I didn't know how authentic you would be. And it was just one of the things I loved about you 
um, because you immediately spoke your truth. And I, I just love that. Um, where do you think that comes from? Uh, you know, it's interesting you should ask that. Um, having, I'm also um, a licensed attorney. I don't practice law. So I don't, I, I identify as a licensed attorney, but not a practicing attorney. And I think when I practiced law uh, over 20 years ago, so I'm dating myself for your listeners, um, <laughs> probably over 25 years ago now, there was the legal industry in particular, there was a lot of pressure and in corporate industries where, you know, you had to dress a certain way, make sure you wear the blue suit and the beige shirt and the blue high heels and you never talk about your family and you, it was just this sterile work environment and I was never comfortable in that sterile work environment. I thought it was fake. Um, it, it didn't, I didn't believe it served anyone. You know, this idea that you can't show emotion in business. Um, I felt that that was ridiculous. I was looking for a word that would be appropriate <laughs> for a podcast. Um, and it just, for me, the word that matters most in life is integrity. And to have integrity means that, we're, you know, we're all chameleons. And if anybody thinks you're not a chameleon, you are. You're going to be a different around your kids than you are your coworkers, than you are your high school friends or your college friends. That doesn't mean you're fake. It means you have integrity in those situations. But this idea that you can't still be the person that you are deep inside has always bothered me in corporate America. And I have found success in just being who I am. And if somebody doesn't like that, or that's not their style, then they're not the right business partner or employee or, or, you know, or perhaps even friend for me because I'm, I wear my life on my sleeve. So just digging a little deeper because, so you, there's a parameter that you just laid out. There's the, the clothes and the way to behave. So you were given the rules, whether you were given them, you know, consciously or subconsciously, you were given the rules. Where does the ability to break those rules come from? <laughs> well, I'll probably say my mom and my dad, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's who I am. It's, yeah. um, I, I was that, I was that kid. Um, I gave my parents a run for their money. I always questioned the, I always questioned the rules. You know, when we say the rules, I, I want listeners to know that I, I believe in guidelines and I believe in etiquette. I believe in saying please and thank you. There's a difference between rules that don't suit us or, and I think we've talked about this before. My favorite book is The Four Agreements. And it talks about these agreements that we make because people told us it had to be that way. And these are the things that create guilt and false expectations. And so I, I think it's innate in me to ask questions. I, that's why I went to law school. I question everything. However, it's also, I, when I was about 30 years old, I read the book of four, the four agreements on my life changed. 
because I realized that I didn't have to be riddled with guilt. I didn't have to feel pressured to show up to things that I that didn't serve me or, and I wasn't serving anyone else. Right. right. And I'll tell you my good friend, um, Cheyenne, uh, she just wrote a book that uh, it's called um, Two Dozen Things. And it's, it's about, you know, how to, how to live a more fulfilled life. And when I was talking to her the other day, I had asked her a question. She's very intuitive. And I had asked her a question about, you know, I, I had a bad day. Like, why did that have to happen on that day? And she said, because you did something you felt you should do, not that you wanted to do. Okay. So every time you ask yourself, should, should I attend this? Why? Do I right. want to? Do I want to? Is it in... And whatever it is, are, are you attending something because you feel like you're missing out? Right. Or are you attending because you really genuinely and with integrity want to be present? And so that really hit home for me because even today, when you say, you know, how, where do you find it to question? I still sometimes revert back to mm, maybe I should just do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, it's a, it's something that we work on all the time as um, as people in business, as moms, as you know. It's not, no decision is an easy one in my book. You just you have to yeah. think about it, right? And things are decisions. I think that you just nailed it because I think sometimes people don't even address that they're decisions. They're just coasting along at, without any thought. And you seem very intentional. And I think that that is probably part of your makeup as well. Oh, it um, is. It's, I mean, it's funny. I, I've had employees over the years when new employees come in, they'll say, well, just ask her why, because she always has a reason. Like right. I am extremely intentional with everything. Right. So when you have, you know, you talk about having a bad day, when something bad happens, as bad things do in our, yeah. our lives, what do you find to pull you through? Is it that questioning of the why? What, what do you do when something traumatic or just bad happens? So, well, there's two different types of bad, right? There's for right. me, there's the personal bad and there I do crisis communications. So there's also... The yeah. dealing with the client bad, you know, they have an issue. There's something that needs my, my full undivided attention. Um, I, I'm going to take your question to mean when something happens personally. Um, like I, I, the example I gave, I had a bad day. Um, I had fallen on ice. I slipped on black ice and um, hit my head very badly. And I herniated my neck. And even in that situation, I mean, fortunately, I didn't have a concussion. And so I thought through, what do I need to do to be safe? And that's kind of in anything bad. It's like, what do I need to do to be safe or feel safe? Right. So nice. sometimes it's like in that that's situation, an hour away from home, I needed to get home where my husband was, where I knew I was safe. And if I needed further care. I would get it. So 
I called my husband and I said, please track me on find my iPhone and I'm driving. And if I need to pull over, I will call you. But this is what happened and I need to get home now. And wow. so like, to me, it's, it's about getting to safety, yeah. even if it's emotionally a bad day and just going and saying, hon, I need a hug. Like I'm, I'm having yeah. a bad day. Like yep. th- th- this was really emotional for me. A lot of people are afraid to ask for support. And I was, was that way much of my life. I have learned that it really is okay to reach out to a friend and say, you know, I could really use a friend right now or, and and I I do do that. So if I'm having a bad day, depending on what the situation is, I may reach out and say, Amanda, can we talk? Yes, (laughs) always. (laughs) Right, and that's really what it comes down to. It's it's fine, it's getting to safety. And so the same thing with my clients, it's with any crisis communication, the first thing you have to do is figure out where is the safety point. So whether it's physical safety or if they're getting bad press and you just need to say, okay, here's what we need to do to control this. It's, it's taking a deep breath. And for me, getting to that place. Well, that also points to, you know, your tribe. It also points to you are surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, So what do you look for? You know, what makes somebody right for friendship or, um, you know, maybe what do you think the traits that your husband has that you are drawn to or what, what traits are you drawn to? In so I don't look for traits. Um, I there's definitely three things that I admire in others that will draw me to them more closely, and it's simply honesty, loyalty, and empathy. Um, I tend to be a very loyal person, and so if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. If I if I didn't, there is definitely a reason. You know, it's like right. And I'm going to follow up. Um, honesty is, is an, it's a non-starter. It's just, if you can't be honest, I don't want to be in your company. Um, so for, for me, and, you know, I, I keep reading these books as we get older, you know, you and I are both what they call midlife. I, I feel like I'm 25 yeah. still, but yeah. Um, they say to us now, well, you know, you can choose your friends. And if you have somebody who's dead weight or, he- I-, I think that's a whole crock of nonsense. Um, yeah. And the reason I say that is I have, I have friends in my network, some of whom own the world and some of whom own nothing. And they are all as important to me. And when I say own nothing, I mean, even their own emotional lives or a complete right. And it doesn't matter. They're my friends, nonetheless, and I love them equally. So this idea of, you know, if, if, if you have a friend that has had more trauma in their lives, you're going to drop them because they've had more. Like, I, I don't subscribe to them. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a loyalty factor. And so it's not about what you are. It's about who you are that matters to me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
you know? Now, what would make you drop somebody? What would be like a deal breaker for you? Hmm, Would it be that lack of honesty? Lying. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Yep. Interesting. Lying. So, Gina, you know, I, I, I said what you did, and then you referenced the fact that you had been a lawyer, an attorney, a practicing attorney. What led you away from that and into what you're doing now? Well, it's, you know, so many people ask me that question and I'm not really away from the practice of law at all. Um, so Fury Ruble, while we work with different companies of all sizes, predominantly business to business companies, nonprofits, financial institutions, things like that, um, a very large majority of our clients are, are large law firms. Uh, we have clients all over the United States in British Columbia. We've worked with clients in Canada. Um, and so I am working within law firms every day. I'm just not practicing law. So the difference is what I, what I like to explain is we're communicating a message to a target audience to elicit a response. I'm just not doing it in the court of law. Right. I'm doing right. it in the court of public opinion. But you also did become an entrepreneur. Maybe all lawyers are that to a certain extent, because I think an entrepreneur is a specific type of human. I mean, when you are an entrepreneur, that's a risk. And that's also, I think it, it takes a certain amount and I say this to you knowing that you've just talked a lot about safety and security, but I almost feel like there's a little bit of a dash of daredevil-y in an entrepreneur. You know, what do there you think is, about that? Uh, well, so first of all, the legal industry is made up of so many different types of people that, and so many different types of practice areas and that there, there is a lot of entrepreneurism in legal, but there's also a lot of not entrepreneurism. So, um, you know, the, the attorney who likes to work behind the scenes with the client and doesn't want to deal with payroll or, you know, or just wants to get their matters, go home at night, uh, is no different than any other employee doing their job in a particular profession, right? And then you have the people who own the business who, um, bear the risk as you will, um, going to your question. That being said, um, I, I don't know where entrepreneurism comes from. I am, I tend to be risk averse. So I am a very careful entrepreneur. I don't bite off more than I can chew. I surround myself with smarter people than me. I listen to others advice. I, I don't like making mistakes. I make them all the time. We all do. <laughs> I don't like mistakes. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not the entrepreneur, like the person who's going to buy and sell businesses all the time. I'm a very careful entrepreneur and it comes back to my definition of success. When I started the business, I was consulting as a solopreneur and I was able to be there with my kids. And so I was working 30 hours a week and then it became 40 hours a week and somewhere it became 50 hours a week, you know, uh, yeah. the company grew, but I, our company in this year is 20 years old. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's phenomenal. Grown, 
very slowly. So we're getting ready to celebrate our 20th anniversary in um, our actual 20th anniversary is in June. And I'm being, I'm very mindful. You know, I look at other people who I admire immensely who have started and started businesses and run businesses with 40, 50, 60, 100 employees. And I think, oh my gosh, they're insane. <laughs> you know, like, like that to me is really a brave entrepreneur because I am responsible for the lives of all of the employees and the payroll. And, you know, I take that very seriously. You know, and that makes, you just started making me think I, when you said we, um, because it's so interesting. So your company bears your name. And I, and I always think you have to be able to, even with a company that bears your name, somehow make that a we. Oh, but it is a we. I do not do all the work. In fact, I do very little of the work today. I run the company. I have the smartest people, the most wonderful teammates, and they are brilliant. So where I may have started it early on, and I do believe that anybody in any business should have to work through every level of a company. Even a CEO should have to do a day in the life of uh, the, 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 the mail clerk. They should really understand. And so I've done all of those roles, but this is Fury Ruble is not me. It may bear my name, but this company is all about my, the team, our team and our, our clients. Wonderful. What Gina would you say, are you proudest of? Can you, or, or you don't have to say proudest, but what is something that you're very proud of? My kids. I mean, bottom line, Every, nothing else matters in this world when, I mean, the big picture is really, um, I am so grateful to each of our children who have made good decisions in life, continue to make good decisions in life. And I tell them this you know, ad nauseum, I'm sure I torture them with it. Um, I am proud of who they are. That's really great. So, you know, I do ask those favorite questions <laughs> that some people hate, but um, a, a favorite or impactful book for you? Well, as I, you know, I had mentioned earlier, The Four Agreements, that to me, it, it's, uh, it's life-changing um, from the yeah. perspective of just kind of everyday, I, I read so many books. Um, one of my other favorites is A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Nice. Yeah. It's just this, uh, you know, it's a very, I, I can see the young woman who did media clipping, which is something that we hire out. And I, I could see her in New York. And I just get, when I read it, I had this picture but there's so many books. Um, the Four Agreements is really from a personal and professional yeah. perspective, the one that I encourage everyone to read. I would agree with you there. Um, what about, do you have either a, a quote that you look to or one of, I mean, I'm a quote 
person. So I've got scads of quotes, but is there a quote in particular that you respond to or like? There is, and it is in Boca al Lupo, and it's Italian. And it means, uh, it, it, the, the, the sentiment is good luck. It's like break a leg, but it actually means into the wolf's mouth. So it's, it's this very, it's, you know, I, I'm Italian American, um, very, we, we can be very dramatic. Um, and I love my culture. And so it's one of those things that I think embraces a lot of who I am. Like, yes, you know, crisis, right? Into the mouth, here we go. That's great. Yes, yes. I hadn't thought about it in that light. Um, what about Gina? Do you have any kind of overall purpose or mission that you kind of, when you wake up in the morning, you kind of go, this is kind of what fuels me, or this is my running thread through everything in life. So what, what fuels me is integrity. Um, and it changes day to day. So being in the moment and respecting the moment is very important to me. So for example, right now in, in our history, we're witnessing um, a brutal war in the Ukraine. Yes. And yes. right now, the thing that is inspiring me most is how to help in any way possible. And the women and children and who are being displaced and the men who are going back in and, and you know, the bravery and the, I'm, I'm so inspired by that. And so what I look for things every day, um, it, but it does come down to integrity. How, how can I live in my integrity today? Like, that's the kind of question I ask myself uh, every day. And you just talked about inspiration and, and, and the people of Ukraine. Uh, and one of the questions I was going to ask you is, who do you admire? Who, who do you draw upon for inspiration? Uh, I mean, I can draw inspiration from everyone. I, I do see good in all people, um, or at least I try. Um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't exactly see good in Putin right now. I have to admit that's it's that's hard to come by. Um, but I really do try to see people and the good in them and be inspired by that. Um, one of the things I've been doing to to keep my sanity is ending the day with a positive story about Ukraine and being oh, inspired nice. by those. Like there was yeah. one a few days ago where there's this man who goes to the site of um, hardship and he plays the piano and he was playing the piano at the Polish border for where the Ukrainians were, uh, Ukrainian people were coming over the border, and he just wanted them to hear something peaceful. Oh my and gosh! I, you know, he actually went into Lviv, and I'm praying that he's, you know, still with us. You just but gave me chills. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And then there was another story that my husband shared, where there was a car pulled over of um, Ukrainian people. And it was Ukrainian soldiers that pulled them over and said it was a checkpoint. They were checking for Russian spies. And they were all outside against the car. And the next thing you know, somebody 
one another soldier pans the camera and there's a soldier on his knee and he's actually proposing to his girlfriend at the border oh, you know and it's like yes those types of stories have been helping me to find some beauty in this devastation because there's really nothing good about this yes but to find the beautiful stories in it helps us as as humans to be able oh. to process this level of devastation. So, you know, I, I do a couple of different things to keep myself sane. <laughs> Actually, I love that so much. I love that so much, Gina, because I think that that's the way we should live our lives, finding the beautiful story in it. I, I love that as just an, an overriding kind of mantra. You know, I think everybody can find the beautiful story within their life. And we all have different things at different times, but I really, that speaks to me. And it takes time sometimes, you know, when we lose yeah. a loved one and we sit there and we all say why when we're in grief, um, mm. you might find that you lost that person because you're gonna help have to help somebody else through the same situation 10 years from then, or, you know, there silver linings don't show themselves readily all the time yeah. but i do believe that every situation good and bad we learn from them so but that's how i'm staying sane after watching the news and being yeah. like, right, i have to find something that's going to make me smile before i go to sleep <laughs> that's wonderful um what about best advice you have received or some good advice that you've received Define your own success. Don't let others define it for you. Um, that's been really important to me. I started in the very wee beginning of this podcast and said, um, I define success around my family. So, yes. and, and, you know, for my company, success has always been defined as maintaining a great staff, being able to pay them properly not having to lay people off. Um, we were very fortunate. We laid no one awesome. off pandemic. We didn't lay anyone off in 2008. Now we had to tighten our belts and we, you know, it was not easy, but that to me is success. And so defining one's own success is really important. What about what's a perfect day for you? Oh, it's so simple. Now that now that we're empty nesters, a perfect day is my husband, our two kids, my mom, me and the dogs just having undivided attention of each other and being together. It's just, I am happiest with my family. Um, can I just ask you, I, I also know that your dad passed away. And when I heard your, you know, you say that I thought somebody might wonder what where's her dad and all of this and I know that he's passed away um can you just share something that you loved about your father oh my that gosh. has lasted my dad and I you know my dad was also an attorney and so we we he my dad was super passionate um about everything and he put his heart and soul into everything he did um and he taught me to do that but more importantly, my father gave me the validation 
to pursue a career that was not traditional without judgment and was so proud to see that thrive. And so I mean, my, my father and I had an unbreakable bond and he, you know, I think of him every day. And one of the other things he did, which sometimes I, I yell at him for, even now that he's passed, is when he was on his deathbed, he said to me, always ask, what would your father do? Wow. And I said, you that's know, that's another thing that gives fair. me chills. I'm like, that's not fair because I won't always do what you would do. Yeah. He's like, well, that's the point. Sometimes you need to make your own decision. <laughs> so it was just funny. I, I remember that every day. I'm like, oh, I wonder what my dad would do. So, yeah. um, and my dad passed 10 years ago. Almost, you know, it'll be 11 this year. So, uh, but he's always with me. That that voice is inside me. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, a, a, an even more perfect day would be to have all of your loved ones there, right? But yes. That's not, yes. that's not reasonable. I end the podcast with, I think it's kind of a hard question, but it's kind of like, what off the top of your head would you say are your hopes for yourself and your hopes for the world in which you live? Oh gosh. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, you know, if, if if we could do anything in the world, there would be peace, I'd cure cancer, and we'd live in a more sustainable society. Um, you know, big picture, but from a smaller picture, I would really love to get to the point in business where I'm not working as hard and giving back more to the community. You know, I am very enamored by those women who have, uh, and in particular women because of being a woman entrepreneur, but who have the time and ability and, and resources to be able to give back in nonprofit at a level that um, they do perhaps sometimes it's, you know, once they retire, things like that. So giving back, um, helping this, no matter how small a community, when, when you give back every, every, you know, every stone in that pond has a ripple effect. And so that would be my ultimate, you know, and then, and, and seeing, being able to be there for my kids as they grow up and have kids and, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're blessed. Well, Gina, I think that's kind of the perfect ending point. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, I, I can't even tell you because, you know, I tell you a lot, um, I tell you probably less than I could tell you if I weren't trying to contain my effusive nature, <laughs> how great I think you are. So thank you very much. Well, Amanda, the feelings are 100% mutual, as you know, and I'm grateful to be here. And you know, hopefully together, we will make this world a better place. Love it. Hey, thanks for listening. Giant thank you goes out to show advisor, Roseanne Griffiths the talented musician Bill Aronson, who wrote, produced, performed the Soulful Connections theme song. And a thank you goes out to Brad Sanders for creating the Soulful Connections logo. Love it. That's new this year. So much gratitude to these guys and to my friends and family who continue to listen and guide me 
And once again, to you for listening, I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L-L-I-F-E at gmail.com.